Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Herbs and Proverbs 23. One of the words that is really abused in our generation is the word truth. I uh, was on somebody's mailing list and I got a publication for a number of years that uh, alluded the very title was that it was of the truth and spoke the truth. Like a number of other words of our generation, they're words that are abused. And so we have people that are uh, knocking on our door and uh, two by two, and so they're telling us, we have the truth. Turn on our television set, somebody has an advertisement, and it's slickly presented, and the, uh, the facade that is put up is, we have the truth. Somebody over here is, hangs up their shingle, and they go into business, and they say, we have the truth. And so uh, in our generation, the truth can mean anything from way up here to way down there and all the ranges in between. It's presented as a lot of different things. Have a lot of new converts here this morning, and, and uh, many of them uh, have already experienced, if you haven't, you soon will, that the enemy will come along at least within the first six weeks after you receive Jesus as your Savior and uh, knock on your door. Or one of your friends will suddenly, who's never witnessed to you at all, never told you about Jesus, you could lay in your filth in your mire and go to a devil's hell and they don't care. But when you get saved, all of a sudden, they want to tell you the truth. <laughs> Amen. The truth is a very interesting word. And in our generation, the prophets foretold. Paul the prophet said... That in our generation, we're going to be the generation where men are ever learning but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. It says that our generation is going to be a generation that resists the truth. And that in our generation, there are going to be people with corrupt minds, and these people of corrupt minds are going to be resisting the truth. And so, I'd like this morning to come to some guidelines concerning truth, what it really is, how we receive it, what responsibilities are ours as we come into contact with it? How can we know that it is the truth? And uh, after all, what is the truth? Proverbs 23, 23 has an interesting statement, and I want to just read one simple phrase. The Bible says, Buy the truth and sell it not. Would you just bow your head for a moment with me? Father, this morning I thank you for the Spirit of God that I feel in this place of worship and among these people. Lord, this morning I pray that you will take these words and you will seal them to our hearts. Let there be a, a revelation grip the hearts of these that are in attendance in this place. God, break bondages of iniquity and let the spirit of wisdom and revelation grip our hearts, our souls, our minds, and our spirits. For we ask this in Jesus' name and the people said, Amen. Truth. 
Let's examine for a moment as we consider this subject the delusion that we run into and in our generation concerning the truth. This is a troubled generation. I picked up Eternity magazine yesterday, which is a religious publication, and in it was an excellent article about religious entertainment. And it gave a rundown on some of the various uh, facets of religious entertainment in our generation. And it ran every, everything from a, a Christian disco to a Christian supper club to soap operas and, and, uh, and a number of things in between all being used. And, and the, the theme of it all is give them the old soft cell. Can't you just imagine uh, the, uh, the Apostle Paul in a Christian disco? Oh, yes. Amen. No, I can't. Because Christians don't go to disco. If they do, they don't long remain Christian. You see, you and I live in a, in a generation when there is everything and anything that is being presented as the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, the theme of all this, I know what it is. It's eat, drink, and evangelize. Christian disco, amen. Soap operas, Christian supper clubs. This and that. And, and this is a troubled generation. Our generation is having a hard time coming to grips with the hard facts of what truth really is and how, after all, do you present truth. You see, we are gripped with what's known as easy believism. What this really is is a reluctance to believe that you have to pay a price for truth. In other words, we're in a generation that believes that truth is something that is acquired uh, free. You don't have to pay anything for it. You don't have to give anything for it. You don't have to sacrifice anything for it. But it's just free. This is the something for nothing generation. I picked up the Arizona Republic yesterday. And as I was reading uh, the Arizona Republic uh, on, uh, on uh, one of the uh, pages there, I believe it's a church page, it describes what's happening to America. America is becoming a, a generation uh, that, uh, that is the generation that wants something for nothing. And America is a, is a, is a gambling mania that's sweeping across America. And since 1963, 44 of the states in America and the states in the Union have passed gambling laws that uh, make it legal, some form of gambling in their states, uh, because there's a gambling mania and it's seizing the Americans uh, because there's something inside our generation that says, I want something for nothing, but I'm not willing to sacrifice to get it. And so as a consequence, a gambling mania sweeping our society, a something-for-nothing spirit has laid hold of us, and that spirit also is something that is gripping and runs over into the church world and in the Christian world. What it really means, and the, and the, and the, uh, the, the, uh, the mentality behind all of this, is that truth is free. It's like nuggets and diamonds and hundred dollar bill. It's just laying around on top of the ground and floating through the air. And all you have to do is just grab it, stuff your pockets full of it, stick it in your bag, and go running happily along through life. Truth is free. It's just laying around like gold nuggets on the ground. That's a lie. Truth is not free at all. And there is. No fulfillment when it comes to truth of the something-for-nothing mania. For the Bible declares very plainly 
that truth is a spiritual facet. Truth is a miracle that comes from God. Truth is a divine revelation. Truth is something that issues from heaven, comes down on earth, is vitalized, is, is given life, and has a vibrant flow of God's Spirit in it. And it is supernatural, it is miraculous, and it is not something that does not cost something. See, truth is not something you can learn in a book. Truth is not something that you can receive in a lecture. Truth is not something that you have because you plug a tape in your ear. Truth is not something that you wear around your neck. Truth is not something that you put on your bumper sticker. Truth is expensive. Truth costs something, and truth is not free. Truth is not an abstract concept of the mentality that we can re re embrace something in the abstract, in our mental faculties, in our mental uh, personality, but it has no effect upon our lifestyle. We can go on and live the way we want to live, do what we want to do, but we can just put nuggets of truth in our pocket and big hundred-dollar bills of truth in our wallet, and we're made spiritually wealthy, but it's free. It doesn't cost us anything. Truth is expensive. In truth, it doesn't cost you anything. You have no claim to. You have no title deed. And truth that does not cost you anything is not truth at all, but it's religiosity. Jesus said these words, If any man will come after me, let him take up his cross daily and follow me. What will a man give in exchange for his own soul? Beloved, truth this morning is something that costs something. It is not free. It is not a gift. It is not something that simply comes. And so we need to come to grips and understand that as we're seated in this building this morning. This is just produced some really, really strange critters. We have a famous singer. And this famous singer professes that he gave his heart to Jesus Christ. And as he gave his heart to Jesus Christ, he would not break his contract of singing in Las Vegas because millions of dollars were at stake. That's easy truth. My friend, that's not truth at all, but it's religiosity, and time will prove the truth of what I'm declaring because it's the Word of God. We have another man that is a famous publisher in America. He claimed that he could embrace the truth, and truth was his. He claimed to be born again, but he claimed that he could continue the ownership and the financial remuneration of a pornographic publication and was unwilling to give it up. The reason is because that millions of dollars were at stake. Truth is very, very expensive to some people. Truth is not free. I know another man that is a famous singer, and this man has had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to declare boldly and clearly what the gospel of Jesus Christ is, but he will not declare it because if he did, his connections and all of his itinerary would disappear before his eyes because truth, my friend, is not free. Cost something to have the truth. It's not a nugget laying around on the ground. It's not a diamond that are just simply around that you just have to sweep up. It's not a hundred dollar bill that you just put into your, into your pocket. My friend, truth is not free. Can't you just imagine John the Baptist sitting on, uh, with one of these cutie boys on, on a religious talk show 
and saying to him, uh, well, John, uh, what do you think now uh, about pornography? And John's saying, well, I, uh, I don't really know what pornography is. Can't you just picture that? The Apostle Paul, who wrote Corinthians, who wrote Romans about filth and ungodliness and iniquity. Can't you just see him sitting there all in his double knit while millions are viewing? And here's his opportunity of a lifetime to cut clean the gospel. Say, Paul, what do you think about pornography? Oh, well, I, uh, I, I wouldn't want to condemn anybody. Well, Peter, what, what do you feel uh, about uh, uh, sexual perversion and homosexuality and lesbianism? Well, I, I just wouldn't, I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't make any, any statements and hard fact statements. Can you imagine that? I can. I read the book. And I find that these men lived right in the middle of a filthy and a perverse society and that the truth they preached cost them a price. It was not free. And I see them declaring, beloved, clear-cut the truth of Jesus Christ. I had a woman recently, a neighbor, come to me and asked me, said, Pastor, you was all upset, said, I, said I, I, we're, we're giving this play in town. And then she belonged to the First Church of the Frigidaire, whatever the one you want to think that is. Well, that's probably what it is. And so... She said, uh, uh, we're in a play, the God, uh, God spell, and uh, I just can't understand what you would ever see that would be wrong about God. Talks about God. So did demon. You see, it was because of this that when Jesus witnessed to Pontius Pilate and he began to declare truth, Pontius Pilate had seen such an abomination in society and so many people saying this is the truth, that is true. Their lives did not stack up and there was such a confusion in the world that in cynical derision when Jesus said about truth, he said, what is truth? Now my friend, that same mentality is beginning to seize those that are of our generation because of the confusion and the delusion about truth. And that delusion has come because our generation believes that truth is free. Truth is not free. The Bible says in this verse of Scripture, by the truth. What does that mean? By the truth. Do you mean that God is selling salvation? Of course not. Salvation is a gift of God. God purchased on Calvary the forgiveness of sins, the washing, the cleansing of every man that would believe. But simply because that is a fact of a truth of history does not make it yours. I can preach that this morning, expound every facet of it, read all the scriptures that are involved in it, and you can go straight out of here, die, and go straight to hell, and it never benefits you. It is not yours simply because it is a fact. You see, we need to come to an understanding this morning about how we acquire truth. Truth is acquired this morning by identification. That means that when you and I are the embracers of truth, when we embrace truth as our own, and when we begin to acquire truth, it means that we make an identification, and immediately when we do that, then truth becomes our portion. This is not an identification with the system. I'm not talking about identifying with a four-square church. I'm not talking about identifying with a Baptist church. I'm not talking about identifying with the Assembly of God church. 
I'm not talking about identifying with any religious institution or with any religious system. I'm talking about identification, and that identification is with the person of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. The moment that we identify with Him, make Him our Savior, we become a participator in God's truth. It has to do not with a system, not with a creed, not with an institution, not with a religious organization. It has to do with a person. And that's a departure from all religions of this world. Whether you embrace one religion or whether you embrace another, they all are a system of religion that do not stand upon the person that, that, that began them or the person that was inspired by them. But we are part of a revelation that demands that the moment we embrace it, we identify with one person, and that person is Jesus Christ. Thank God. Has to do with a person, not a system. Has to do with an acquaintanceship, a relationship, an identification with Him. Jesus said these words Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. When you and I identify with truth, immediately we are identified with the person of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Can you say amen? Listen to these words from John's Gospel. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is not condemned. Um, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Jesus said in John 14 and the 6th verse, I am the truth. He did not say, I'm speaking the truth, although he did. He did not say, I'm teaching the truth, although he did. He did not say, I'm I'm allied, or I've joined myself unto truth. He said these words with potent power that come down in 1978 unto you and I, where we said, I am the embodiment of truth personally. I am in bodily form the truth of God walking upon earth. Now, my friend, when we come to an understanding of that, we're very close to understanding what it means to be one who has the truth. It has nothing to do with a religious system. It has nothing to do with a religious creed. It has nothing to do with a religious organization. It has to do with a person, and that person is Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. He is the embodiment. He is the personal manifestation of truth, and in Him and by Him, all that God speaks is centered and manifested for time and eternity. We're talking this morning about identification, and we acquire truth by identifying with Jesus Christ. There's no other avenue to truth. There's no other way to God. There's no other manifestation of God. There's no other way to know, to experience truth, or to acquire truth unless we come to Jesus Christ. Now, having said that, that brings us to an understanding that this is a very narrow way. And this is why the, 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 the prophet said, by the truth. The truth is not yours because you heard it. <laughs> truth is not yours because you read it. 
until there is a personal action, until there is a personal cost, until you have acted upon, until you have embraced and identified, until you have made that yours at personal cost, it does not belong to you. Proverbs 16 says these words, how much better is it to get wisdom than gold? and to get understanding than silver. So you make truth yours by establishing your claim to it, by paying the price that truth demands. Until you establish claim at personal cost, until you have moved from where you are to the identification with Jesus Christ, thus paying the price, then that truth is not sure. Mark has an interesting statement concerning this. It says, Take heed what you hear. With what measure you meet, it shall be measured unto you. And to you that hear shall more be given, for he that has to him shall be given, and he that has not from him shall be taken even that which he has. To establish your claim to truth, means that you must move from a hearer unto a doer. That you must move from one who reads unto one who embraces, to one who listens, to one who learns. Now there's a vast difference between ever learning and coming to the knowledge of the truth. There's a vast difference between reading about and actually identifying with and making that truth yours. Matthew 10 says, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess therefore also before my Father which is in heaven. You see, in the essence of the declaration that we're making, the Bible declares that truth that has cost you nothing, does not belong to you. You have no claim to it. You have established no title to it. It does not belong to you. It is simply a religious concept that you have heard, or you may be mouthing as a cliché, but it does not belong to you until you personally have acted upon it and thereby established your claim and state title to it and made it your own by paying the personal cost of identification with that truth as it is embodied in Jesus Christ. Jesus is on the hillside. He's speaking to a multitude of disciples. Religion was popular then just like it is now. The terms of religiosity were being mouthed by men in business and in the neighborhoods and in the cities and about their daily affairs. They were talking about Jesus Christ. Some were even telling electrifying tales about His miracle power. The country was filled with talk concerning Jesus Christ. And the Bible says multitudes followed Him and Jesus turned to them and said to them, Except you eat the flesh and drink the blood of the Son of Man, you have no life in you. They said, What on earth is He saying? This guy has blown a fuse. What does he mean? Eat a chunk out of his arm and drink his blood? What's he talking about? And maybe he's got a devil. Others said, well, he's been really working hard and he's been going day and night. Perhaps he's uh, having a nervous collapse. And he turned to the disciples. Listen to me. Because the Bible says from that moment, multitudes went from him when truth moved from a religious concept down to the reality of something that you embrace and identify with simply because 
Jesus said it. <laughs> They're still trying to explain what he said. <laughs> you can read commentaries. They still don't know what he was talking about. And I'm not sure I do, and I don't care. The fact that he said it, and the witnesses are there, said he said it, I believe it. Whatever it means, I don't care, I believe it. And he turned to the disciples, the twelve it says, and he says, will you also go away? And here's where the rubber meets the road. Peter says, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Here then, we move from hearing into the embracing and the identifying with. Peter says, I believe in you, Lord Jesus. I don't understand all of this, but I know that you've got the words of eternal life, and we're going to identify with you, and I'm going to stick with you, because you're speaking those words. You are speaking truth, and we'll walk with you. My friend, when we understand that, we're coming to an understanding of what it means to acquire truth. This is a narrow way. And that narrow way says that you and I, to have truth, we must buy the truth. We buy it by identifying with and paying the price of reproach to embrace and cleaving to at sacrifice unto ourselves. There's no other way to get truth except we bear the reproach of identification with Jesus Christ and be named by His name. And I want you to know that it's popular to simply make a cliché or wear a Jesus button or wear a Jesus wristwatch or a Jesus t-shirt, but it's not popular to talk to men and bring that name down. There's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved and begin to talk about human sin. To begin to talk. If you want to know where a person really is of the truth, because everyone that is of the truth, Jesus said, heareth my voice. Take the words of Luke 16 as it outlines eternal hell fire and read it to them and get their reaction. Those are the words of Jesus. You'll find an astounding revelation about people, many who claim to affiliate, and the minute you begin to declare that there is a hell for eternity and a heaven to gain, and that these are actual places that God has outlined in the Word of God, you'll find, soon find out uh, that there's a number of people who claim uh, that are of the truth uh, that will but not hear Jesus' words. Jesus said, Everyone that is of the truth heareth my words. There's a price to pay, beloved. And that price is identification. That price is the reproach that we bear to be with Him. But that price is one that Jesus said everyone that actually recognizes will pay. He said the kingdom of God is like what? A man who found one pearl of great price. And when he found it, he goes and he recognizes that this pearl would survive governments. It would survive printed money that was printed out like you were printing newspapers and is only worthless or is only worth anything as long as the government is there and solvent. And it has no tangible value, but he knew that this pearl would survive government. It would survive the trends of economy. It would survive, and he found that one pearl of great price. He went and sold all that he had. And he purchased uh, this one great emblem of value, and he made it his. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is exactly like that. Please stop your tape now, turn it over, and play the other side.
with it and they're going to be willing to sacrifice all that they have to make that truth there and to embrace it unto themselves and it will not matter if it costs them all that they have or other relationships that they enjoy on this earth they'll pay the price to make truth there has to do with the will of God see truth when you begin to uh, oh, uh, embrace this truth and you begin to inquire, it isn't an abstract philosophy of mind. It begins to affect how you live and where you live and when you live it and what you do in the time that you live. It has to do with the will of God. It has to do with certain people at certain times doing certain things. And the will of God is not easy. Beloved, the will of God is a price that we will pay. And when you begin to obey the truth, Suddenly, you begin to find out that to obey God, uh, there is a price to pay. Jesus said, He that cometh after me, uh, let him uh, take up his cross daily and follow me. That's talking about the will of God in all circumstances, in all situations, and at all times. And the, the, the truth is expensive. It is acquired. The only way we can acquire truth is that we buy it. And we buy it by identification with Jesus Christ. I conclude with one other thought that I want to bring to you there, and that's the value of truth. Truth is not commonly appreciated in the generation in which you and I live. A lot of people, if I would ask people all over this congregation, do you really believe the truth? Do you claim the truth and adhere to the truth? Uh, I'd say that uh, perhaps all but one or two or three or four or five would say yes. If I said to them, do you believe that truth is valuable? Say, of course it's valuable. Let me ask you a couple of questions. How much time do you spend reading this truth? Would you rather read this truth than go down to the uh, local theater and watch the R-rated flick? Love the truth? How much time do you spend before the idiot box? Thank you, Jesus. Oh, it's getting so nervous in here now. Love the truth? Then how much dedication do you put? To be among God's people and to be in a place where that truth is expounded with revelation and where the spirit of blessing and of conviction is there, where that truth will be watered and that truth will be engendered and that truth will bring forth fruit in your heart. Or where will you be tonight? Well, I wish you hadn't asked me that, Pastor. I had plans. <laughs> yes, I know. Plans are what get us in trouble, you see. Because all the time, here we are going through life and saying, Oh, glory to God, I got the truth. You do? What do you do with it? Well, <clears throat> I've got plans tonight. I'm sure you do. Because those plans preempt coming to a place where the truth is preached, the truth is embraced, and where people hear the truth and embrace the truth and make heaven their home. It doesn't take it doesn't take a theologian to get down to the nitty gritty down where the rubber meets the road and come to grips with the reality of whether you really do value truth or not. Do you value truth? That means that you spend some time in this book 
and you'll peruse it and you'll dig through it and there you'll mine nuggets and the diamonds and the hundred dollar bills that are therein and you'll embrace them as yours. And that takes time, beloved. It doesn't it just lay them there on top of the ground. You think you can just read through that book and you say, you're reading through it. Well, Pastor, I'm reading the Bible. It don't mean much. That's right. You've got to get your pick and shovel out and start digging. <laughs> get down and chew the carpet a while and wail before God and say, God, the Bible's not alive anymore. Lord, I, I want you to help me. Me, me, me. Miss some meals until your stomach begins to gnaw and growl and you feel miserable and say, God, give me the truth or I die. We raised a generation that the only truth they get is turning on the box and watching old what's-his-face do his number. Here's the truth. And my friend, when you and I stand before the judgment bar of God and we are examined for the deeds done in the body, the Lord is going to examine us concerning the truth and it's going to come to light whether you and I really did appreciate and value and evaluate and place our activity and our attention and our, and our time in the truth. Can you say amen? See, the Bible says this is a priceless possession. You ought to underline this in your Bible. Sell it not. What does that mean? Does that mean that we, that we have our Bibles and, and that people are going to take their Bibles and tear pages out and they'll be out at the Cinco de Mayo in a booth or the swap meeting and they'll be selling pages out of it? No. Hang a sign on them and, and uh, there they are and, 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 uh, and, uh, and it's, like a, it's like a slot machine. You put a dollar bill in their hand and they quote a scripture. No. What does it mean to sell not the truth? What does it mean? Well, it means that once we acquire this truth, which are regarded as so valuable, that is to never be exchanged for anything in life. See, we're talking about the issues of life. Scripture says in Proverbs 8, 7 through 11, For my mouth shall speak the truth, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are in righteousness, there is nothing forward or perverse in them. They're all plain to him that understandeth and right to them that find knowledge. Receive my instruction and not silver and knowledge rather than choice gold for wisdom is better than rubies and all the things that may be uh, desired are not to be compared to it. Jesus said you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. What does that mean? Mark 24 and 5, 4, 24 and 5, we, we read that tremendous scripture about take heed how you hear. And following the full exposition of that scripture means that all that is in the future is locked in with what we're talking about. That means if we value the truth and if we embrace it and we will not release it for any price, we'll not trade it for any pleasure, we'll not compromise it for any circumstance, it means then that more will be given to us. And God then begins to pour upon us the blessing of divine revelation and he makes us a receptacle and a storehouse for his truth and all that is in the future will be locked in to that principle on whether we actually do become hearers of the truth doing that thing that we hear which makes it out. I read this past week about a man named Polycarp 
He was probably involved in the church of Smyrna that we read about in the book of Revelation. Polycarp was one who discipled Irenaeus in the early church, one of the early church fathers. He received some of the tremendous persecution that began to come and the church was being persecuted and people worshipped and those that did not worship the Roman deities were being slaughtered by the thousands. They were being torn by wild beasts. They were being drugged by chariots in the streets. And there in Smyrna, which is a part uh, actually of, uh, of, uh, of uh, Asia uh, Minor uh, in the present time of Turkey. And finally... The crowd became so inflamed with their antagonism to the believers in Jesus Christ, they began to call Polycarp's name. And they began to chant, Polycarp, we want Polycarp. was the overseer of the church in Smyrna. He's 80 years old. Lived a life as a warrior of Jesus Christ. He'd embraced the truth, and he valued that truth. And when they came to Polycarp, he was an old and a beautiful spirited man with full of the graces of Jesus Christ and in the wanting years of life. And the governor of that place began to say to Polycarp, Polycarp, you're an old man. You need to consider your age. You're, you're almost dead anyway. And uh, why should you go in, in, in such a way? And God had already spoken to Polycarp that he would die by flames. He wouldn't die by beasts or by chariots or by, uh, by gladiators. He'd die by flames. They'd burn him at the stake. God had already spoken to him and he saw a vision of that. And they said to, Pol they said to Polycarp, Polycarp, deny Christ and you can go free. Deny Christ and you can go free. See, truth is a valuable thing, friend. And Polycarp kept his testimony, used it as a place to testify of the years he'd served the Lord Jesus and of the words that he'd spoken for the Lord Jesus. And they put him to the stake, and Polycarp was burnt because he refused. He valued truth. Truth had become his. See, when truth is found, nothing more than a religious and an abstract mental concept when the test comes down of temptation it does not stand the test I conclude with Samson as a tremendous illustration of people who do not view truth as priceless possession Samson filled with a mighty spirit of the miracle of God truth my friend is valuable passing by where the lion's carcass was and the honeycomb was within. He looked. He desired. No one was around. Never mind that God's truth had said, Samson, carcasses are unclean to the Nazarite. He reached. No one saw. He took. He didn't even tell his mother and daddy where he got it. And he rejoiced and he enjoyed it. But my friend, truth is a valuable asset for time and eternity. We next find Samson. He's down courting and marrying a woman of the Philistines in direct disobedience to the word of God. We next find him sleeping openly with a harlot at Gaza. And we next find him blinded, bound, and cursed, living his life in misery because he did not value the truth. Samson... 
felt it was a small thing, and as Samson was there, he did not realize the total consequences of selling the truth for the pleasure of a honeycomb that was in disobedience to the word of God. Buy the truth and sell it not. You see, a man can stake his life on what Jesus Christ came to say and what he said. Can you say man? A man can stake his life on what Jesus Christ came to say and what he said. While our heads are bowed, no one's moving around for a moment. Christians are praying softly in this assembly and my sister plays on the organ. The Bible says that truth is not free at all. Oh, the gift of God's salvation is free. God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And any man, woman, boy, or girl that will simply open their heart and embrace Jesus Christ, He is the truth. In that moment, truth becomes theirs. But I wouldn't deceive you that that truth will not cost you anything. It'll cost you the reproach of Society, it'll cost you the reproach of perhaps your family, your friends. But oh, what a valuable possession this is, because out of this concept are the issues of time and of eternity. For in Jesus Christ this morning is salvation for all that will believe in the lovely Son of God who died in your place, shed his blood on Calvary, was buried, and was raised from the dead, by the power of God in that act, God wrought for you a salvation that will stand temptation, that will stand persecution, that will take you to heaven, and that will cause you to escape the damnation of hellfire. Buy the truth and sell it not. <laughs> oh, may God burn that in our heart. Buy the truth and sell it not. Once you have made Jesus Christ yours, my friend, do not exchange that. What will a man give in exchange for his own soul? What will a man take for his life? There's no price that could ever suffice by the truth and sell it not. Don't trade it for easy sex. Don't trade it for sudden gain. Don't trade it for the acquiring of wealth. There are people today whose lives are destroyed because... They did not assemble in the house of God on the days of worship when God's body was meeting together and the word of God was preached and expounded and God's truth was having right of way because they were so intent on acquiring wealth. Don't tell me you value truth. And don't tell me that you are buying truth when you fail to identify and make the sacrifices personally. There's a personal cost that's involved in truth. Well, we're pausing just for a moment, and God's Holy Spirit is ministering in this assembly, and our sister's playing upon the organ, and God's Spirit is convicting. There are people here this morning whose hearts are convicted of their own personal needs. I wonder, before I change the order of the service, how many are unsaved, you've never been born again, you've never made Christ your own personal Savior, and you do know, you feel that tug upon your heartstrings. Or maybe you've done that and you're backslidden and not right with God. You'd like to make a new dedication to Jesus Christ and like to come back to Calvary and buy the truth this morning and make a determination to sell it not. 
I wonder how many with uplifted hand would say, Pastor Mitchell, would you pray for me this morning? I need God and I do believe in Jesus Christ, but I'm not right in my heart. If I went into eternity right now, I would not be saved, but I want to be saved. Would you lift your hand right up? You'd like forgiveness. You'd like love. You'd like cleansing. You'd like redemption. You'd like God's blessing. Not asking you to join this church. Sign a creed or embrace a doctrine. You'd say, Pastor, I'm not saved. Would you lift your hand right there where you're sitting, all over this building? How many with uplifted hands would say, Pastor, I need God? Would you lift your hand right up there where you sit? Hold it there for a moment. I see your hand. God bless you. There are others here this morning, too. How many more with uplifted hands say, I want to I get saved, too. I want to get my heart right with God. I need to be born again. I believe in Jesus Christ, but I could not say that I've ever made Christ my own Savior and received that wonderful experience of cleansing from the guilt of sin. Would you slip your hand up right there where you are? How many more would lift your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me too this morning? I need Jesus Christ. Amen. All over this building there are hearts that are being moved upon. Maybe you're a backslider. You've really known that this morning, but you're a long way from God. Would you slip your hand right up there where you're sitting and say, Preacher, before you change your order of the service, I see this hand back there. God bless you. Will there be others? Lift your hand quickly before I change your order of the service. Say, I'm backslidden, but I want to go out of this place. I've determined in my heart I'll buy the truth. I'll make, a, I'll make it mine. I'll embrace it. I'll identify with the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll do it now. How many more with uplifted hands? Say, Pastor... I'd like to do this this morning. All right, every head is bowed, every eye is closed. No one's moving around. No one is, uh, is looking around, but our heads are bowed. I'd like for those who lift your hand, look me right in the eye while I'm standing here on the platform. You lift your head. Did you really mean that, son? I really believe you did. Back there, young man, did you mean that? Amen. I want you to come right up here and let me pray with you. Right here for a moment. Kneel down. Someone else is going to help you. We're going to stand in a moment. We're going to sing that chorus. He's all I need. He's all I need. These have lifted their hand as an indication of their need, but there are many others that need God. We're going to stand and sing that chorus, He's all I need. Would you come out from where you are, find a place to pray on this altar, and uh, say uh, to God, God, I need you. Would you come right now? Let's stand, shall we? Singing that chorus, He's all I need. There are many people here. You're not backslidden this morning, but God has really touched your heart concerning some factors in your life. I don't believe a Christian can stay a Christian. Go to the theater, watch the filth and the blasphemy and the iniquity and the ungodliness that is there, and trade that for the searching out of that which is pure, which is holy, which is true, which is lovely. And I say this very plainly, very bluntly this morning, and God's dealing with some hearts this morning. You're trading truth. You're selling truth for the filth of the world. That's what it means to sell it. That means that you give your mind as a garbage can to the iniquity, the perversity, the uncleanness, the ungodliness, the morals of this world. Oh, not perhaps in yet you're not physically fulfilling that, but my friend, you are spiritually when you partake of it and you imbibe it in your spirit and you watch it and uh, you vicariously partake of it on a movie screen or television set. It won't be long before you will be doing it. You take it from a preacher who's lived a long time and counseled many heartaches, and I declare to you that you will be doing it. Others of you are here that you're not involved in such things as that, but you do compromise. You just, you just come to church when you feel like it. 
then you're denying the very fact that truth comes at personal cost. So I can read my Bible at home. Yeah, but you don't. Well, I can pray at home and, and come to the same conclusion, but you don't. But when you come to a place where God's people are, you feel the conviction and you feel God speaks to you. He begins to get down in your chest. When you do it, you pull it out of the promise box, the good things that you like to hear. You read the portions that are easy to understand and you like to stay off of those things that make you nervous. But when you come to church, God speaks what He wants to speak. And that's why it's the value of bringing truth because it's in that place where you not only hear it, but you act upon it. And someone directs you to a consecration and commitment that brings it to pass. You can't survive and sell this truth by trading it for the acquiring of worldly wealth. The busyness of the affairs of this world and the involvement of all the activity and the frivolity of this world by the truth and sell it. Now, these altars are open and then we're going to change the order of the service. Many need to come.